0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 117 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best Omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have some fun. We have a day with Monty, and I'll explain what that's all talking about, and then we have Jill Montgomery from the Certified Horsemanship Association. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is Debbie Lauchs, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Coach round em up Jen today. We're going to talk. <laughs> Greetings! <laughs> hey! Get along, hey, doggy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wanted to have a little chat with Jen today about her experience out in the wild, wild west. Tell me about it.
2: I had an adventure, Yes! I, along with seven of my new best friends, uh, yeah. spent the weekend out at Carter Ranch Horse, at Carter Ranch, out in Clovis, New Mexico. Clovis, New Mexico. Clovis it doesn't Springs. get better than that for Western. Yes, yep. it does. It, it's just drop-dead gorgeous part of the world. Oh. Um, now, background for folks who may not be regular listeners of the Horsemanship Radio or the Horse Radio Network, I am an English girl through and through. <laughs> I've sat in western saddles. saddles. I've pottered around, but I'm clueless. I'm just. I'm putting my hand up right now. I'm clueless. <laughs> so I was that girl, but I had a great time, and we got to practice real ranch work because Carter Ranch is an actual ranch. It's not just working a place. working yes. ranch. Okay, working good. Ranch. How um, many cattle do they have? Oh gosh, I, do I know? don't know. They have lots. When we went out and we sorted some cattle Mm -hmm. out in the actual, it's a pasture, not a field. A field has crops, a pasture has cows. It was a pasture. (laughs) So I've got to get the lingo right. They were like a hundred plus in there, but I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not the only field full of cows they have. They have lots.
1: Yeah. Go. Okay.
2: And what kind of cattle did they tell you? We had in the, in the group we were working with in the herd we were working with, there were Herefords Mm -hmm. and Angus Good. and then the Herefords had been bred to Brahma bulls so the kids oh, were Hereford yeah. Brahma cross which were super duper adorable with their little flappy ears yeah <laughs> So that's what kind of cows we they had. Um, I was rather proud of myself because I knew the difference between a, an Angus and a Hereford going in. Yeah, there <laughs> you, know, you knew something. It's like, yay, I knew something. Goody for me.
1: <laughs> and what do they do with these cattle that you had to sort them? Are these are are they raising them up as fat cattle, meaning they're um, going off to be slaughtered, or they're, they're,
2: as far as I know, they get to be meals someday. Mm-hmm. As far okay. as I know.
1: Okay. All right. So they sort them now. Were you sorting cattle for the
2: exercise or were you actually sorting them to do something with them? We went out and we sorted to practice. In other words, when we were finished, we just left. It was sort of a precursor because the next day they had to go out and actually sort them for real to Mm -hmm. do things. Um, There was a few of the calves that still had to be branded and there were a few there that needed some Medical treatment. And it was sort of a it was it was dual purpose because it gave us the opportunity to do it in a field where it would really happen versus in a little arena situation. Yeah. But it also gave Trevor the opportunity to sort of preview. Oh, you know, this one over here needed this and this one over there, they need that. And That's that way, it. when they came out the next day for rear, he would save him some time spotting who was who.
1: Mm hmm. So you weren't on one of those long cattle drive things where they put the the newbies at the end because you eat all the dust. You weren't moving cattle 500 miles something. We only
2: moved (laughs) them from one side of the... Uh, That's much more fun. ...to the other. Yes. We started out and there were a total of, I think, nine of us, grand total. So we spread out and one of the more experienced riders who had moved some cows before started out and we... They had to move maybe a quarter of a mile till we got to the area where we contained them. And it was just a corner of the pasture. There was no panels of any sort. Mm-hmm. So us as riders had to contain the animals. And then we went in and sorted through them and we had to get a particular cow to go to a certain place and that kind of thing. What were you riding? Quarter horse? Uh, everybody, as far as I know, everybody had a quarter horse. Okay. Um, I had one that was borrowed named Sailor that belongs to Trevor. And he, he took very good care of me because even when I told him to do the wrong thing, he just gently did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> he overrode you. Yes, <laughs> he overrode me. Uh, particularly because when, I don't know if I'm using the right words, when you cut a particular animal out of the herd, I don't know if that's the mm-hmm. right word I'm using. But yep. when you when you initially separate that one animal out, you, yeah. you do it sort of in slow motion. Yeah. You don't go. You, you don't, don't want to. You don't want to disturb the herd. Is what exactly. You don't want to yeah. disturb the force. You have to be a little bit stealthy. You go in there quietly with lots of low energy. No adrenaline, please. No adrenaline, please. And you and you find the one you want and you gently cut him away and keep him moving away while the rest of them by nature are going to want to go back to the herd because that's what cows exactly. like to do. So that the first time I went in and did that, um, there was, you know, 100 or so cows there, thereabouts. And the cacophony, every Trevor said it's gonna be really loud. And I said, sure, it's gonna be really loud. But oh my gosh, a hundred or so cows <laughs> all mooing all at mooing, yeah. the same time. <clears throat> and that it it made sense then because he kept going on about how you need to walk slowly into the herd. And Sailor, being an experienced cow horse, right. literally Walked in slow motion. I kept going. Come on, come on, come on. We're not walking. He's like like a snail. He knew because yeah. when you go into that herd, they're all a little bit upset with us because they've been pushed over into a corner, and from their point of view, mm, how are we going to get out of here in case things get scary? Mm-hmm. So they're all a little bit jumbled up, and their adrenaline is up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we're trying not to increase it. So it made sense that when you went into that herd, you and your horse have to be very careful not to add to that. Yeah, so that's right. the adrenaline discussion that we have so often on this show mm. uh, really we and we talk about the why on this show a lot. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Well that right. makes perfect sense that the idea of sitting on your horse and working on your with your horse without that adrenaline that's just one more reason why it makes sense that the cowboy tradition has that as part of it, or should have that as part of it? In that, in the real working cowboy world, not having adrenaline when you're working on your horse, or being able to control it at least, is kind of key. Because if I had gone in there and just trotted in there, or even walked fast, like mm-hmm. my heart of hearts wanted to do, was beating at nine miles an hour, um, it would have been a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: was so. Here's the term. I don't know if they used it or not. Was Sailor a little cowy?
2: Uh, sailor is very cowy. Yeah. Yeah. When sailor, that was so cool. Again, I'm an English girl. Yeah. And when you have a horse who is a talented jumper, he's just got that innate talent and he loves doing his job. You can feel when the horse locks onto the fence. You can feel when the horse sees his spot. And it's the same process when a cowie horse locks onto his cow.
3: True.
2: I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. (laughs) Um, When he, when he would lock onto the cow. I wasn't very good at first of just leaving, just leave him be. He knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do stuff yeah. because he knows it's, it's his nature. And that was, again, it was just fascinating to ride it. Just like it's fascinating to ride a horse who has that jump in him because you get to the, get to the obstacle and you know, he's locked onto it. Just hold on for the ride, honey. Yeah. It's a different yeah. ride, but it's the same process inside the horse's head. And that was just so Cool.
1: Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that cool? And a lot of people don't think of a horse as being the, I don't want to say aggressor because it's not really aggressive, but it's definitely them in control. They're in control. Exactly. They
2: are very Mm -hmm. much the leader of the situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's fun to watch a horse stalk. Cattle. I mean, they literally do stalk a particular cow as soon as you, they've figured out where you've got your eyes locked on. They lock on. Yes, and and,
2: and yeah. your eyes and your intent. Mm-hmm. That I had a new appreciation for that again because mm-hmm. when one rides English, that is, it's not so much at the forefront. You don't stare down at sea and intent. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a very different feeling. And then yeah. versus versus with a cow horse. I could watch that cow, and I tried to watch the cow with softer eyes versus drilling my being into the cow because that seemed to be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. But to just keep watching cow, keep watching that particular cow until Sailor would lock onto it. As I got better at watching the cow without tensing my body and staring at the cow as if I was about to shoot it through the sights of a gun. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. he would grasp it faster. He got, he'd figure out which one I wanted better if I was better at doing it. Cause he could feel that in my nice. body if I was tense versus just softly watching.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and how are the other guys pretty, pretty quiet? These cowboys, these guys that work around the cattle and the horses.
2: Oh my goodness, it was lots of fun. Um, there, no, there was no yelling except when everybody would laugh about me being so very English. <laughs> <laughs> there there was lots of chuckling there. Sounds and, heard. Yeah, and when and when we fouled up, um, we would have to mount and dismount from the wrong side several times as payback. You know, and that, I think I have to mount and dismount <laughs> my horse about four hundred times now, and I, I haven't I haven't paid it back yet. But it, it was very interesting, especially when we were doing cow work. It was very quiet. There was. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of the rules when we started out. First, we did it inside of a, a pen, a big enclosed area, so that we could get a, a knack for it before we were in the in the big field, big pasture. One of the rules was no talking. You have to do this. You have to watch each other and watch the cattle. And then you have to make a judgment call. Do you need to go and assist? Do you need to back off? Do you need to move over here? And again, a new appreciation for situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Not something you hear in the horse business a lot, but really how key that was, and it made me ride better if mm-hmm. I was more aware of the whole situation, not just what I felt in my seat bones. Mm-hmm. You know, I—I I mean, this
1: is horsemanship at its finest in a lot of ways. If you think about the different elements of horsemanship, of knowing your horse, knowing your job, knowing your goal. Um, having a job to do that really is rooted in reality, you know, Mm -hmm. of of an economy, right? Mm -hmm. An actual business of moving cattle, sorting cattle, all that has been so much fun. Uh, In the last hundred years, it's been so innovative, too. They've created lots of team pinning, lots of different disciplines that have been rooted. They had their roots, The, the vaquero tradition. You know, if you if you look at the word vaquero and then you you hear how it's pronounced not like I just did (laughs) really (laughs) correctly. (laughs) It actually sounds like buckaroo. And that is the root of the word buckaroo. Cause it's, yeah, yeah. You know, and and so you really, you went, you tapped into the roots of at least United States, you know, Western horsemanship, the whole wild, wild Mm -hmm. west thing. Um, that is, is some of the best horsemanship on earth. If, if they're really top level at it because of all those elements that you just described, which is quiet, quiet hands, letting the horse do his thing that he's been bred to do. And those quarter horses just have cow in them, you know, um, breeding and, and that breed that was brought over from Spain, you know, went also to South America and came, you know, became the Criollo horse. And those, the Pantanals, they, they have cowy in them too. And they just, it's just an, an awesome thing to watch a horse in a really specialized thing. And it sounds so fun. So you got invited to do this by
2: Tara Carter. Yeah, Tara, who and- who hosts one of our shows each month on the Horses in the Morning show. Tara and Trevor invited me to come on out. And Mo, one of our listeners, was there too, along with That's five funny. or six. It varied from day to day. Other people who have worked with Trevor before, either in clinics or in some other capacity. So by far, Mo and I were the least experienced But it was a very welcoming atmosphere about learning the hows and the whys. And we were allowed to try it and make a mistake and then go, oh, well, that part didn't work. Let's see if we can, you know, tweak this part over here and make it better, which was kind of fun. In my world, frequently, we weren't allowed to make make mistakes. Mistakes are not allowed. Sorry. We're going to explain it. You're going to get it right the first time. And mistakes are always bad. And... Not necessarily. They have that whole thing you learn by making mistakes, mm-hmm. um, it was, that was very much, it's okay if you make a mistake, you, as it. long as you learn from it.
1: What's, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do it 15 times in one right. day. What's
2: bad is making a mistake right. and not looking back at it.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Figuring out what happened. There. Right. Uh, that's really fun. It sounds really fun. Is this something that people can do or is this a special invite?
2: Uh, we're actually already in the planning stages of doing another one for next year. In in that it's very much an introductory course in the basics of real life ranch work. So we're already planning another one for next year. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I think I will be going in October as we speak. This is July um, to a place in Colorado called Zapata. Been invited up there. It's a nature conservancy working ranch, too. So I got to look over that website and see. I think I get to choose some of our activities, too. And um, yeah, maybe we'll have a a backup story for this, too. And so glad you were so brave to put your ego and your tushy out on the line there. Get my butt (laughs) sore.
2: Yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> to learn
1: a new a discipline of any kind, even if you spend a lot of time in the saddle. Ha- how did you feel about the saddle? Was it comfortable enough? No.
2: It was comfortable <laughs> enough. My butt is just not tuned into sitting on a horse for six hours a day. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, that of course. was something that was interesting in that we, day one and day two, I used two different saddles because the one I used on day one didn't fit sailor as well as we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So I used a different one on day two, but the one we used on day two had smaller swells, which is the part that Mm -hmm. is below the saddle horn on the front of the western saddle for all of us English types. Mm -hmm. So when we were doing our work in the pen and we were practicing turns and spins and a little bit of stopping, that was a little bit more challenging because I didn't have that part of the saddle to help me stay in. So yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. a universal phrase that Trevor used all weekend because he's very much about keeping his riders safe and happy and on the horse. Was hold on to the saddle horn. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. There's no shame it, in it holding. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, that's right. That's it's a lot better than the alternative, especially in the middle of a bunch of cattle. In
2: the middle so, of a bunch <laughs> of cows. Yes, the the <laughs> athleticism that these mm-hmm. horses have was so so incredible. If all you're familiar with in the western disciplines are the the peanut pushers, the horses that work on the rail at a walk, a right. jog, and a semi-lope. Um, mm-hmm. to, tune into some of the, the ranch work disciplines, and, and you'll have a whole new appreciation for the American Quarter Horse. What that breed can do. That's so
1: true. That is so true. Well, we actually had a day with Monty where a couple of Quarter Horses, really nice ones, were involved, too. Not quite the excitement that you had, but a pretty pretty big growth for yeah, the people.
2: Yeah, no, no less life-changing, I would say.
1: Exactly, no Jen. Very good. But first, these words, let's just listen from our title sponsor, Omega Fields, before we get into that.
2: Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally horses are able to graze fresh growing grasses which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horseshine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horseshine from Omega Fields at your local Tack and Feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com.
1: Well, we had a little fun today and we asked Monty Roberts and a willing partner's owner Beth Hebner and her trainer Diana Good to sit down with us at the end of a fun day that they had bought in an auction and we were affectionately calling it a day with Monty and they got to choose whatever they wanted to do with their day uh, involving horses and training and riding and anything they wanted to do and I thought it'd be fun to just have a little microphone handy and give us a little debrief of what that day was like. I think you'll have some fun because I think Beth is like a lot of us. She had her challenges, or issues, and it really wasn't about her horse. It was more about her. So listen in. Oh. All right. Well, I appreciate you both taking a little bit of time. So what we had today was a, a non-pro mature horse owner who wanted to get a little brush-up lesson with Monty. So she actually... Gave, a, join up in International, a little... Is that like a nice way to say an, an old lady who can't ride? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but I thought, you know, this day with Monty might be important to do a little summation of. Like the points that you wanted to make, the points that actually came about, that were made, and maybe what you learned and what you'd like to um, take home. And see if it matches both the stories here, and we'll start with Monty a little bit first.
4: Yeah, well, that's fine. I was dealing today with uh, Beth and Diana. Beth is a board member. Beth is uh, wife of a board member as well, and uh, close friend of the family. And they sold these things like a day with Monty and. Um, you know, it's something new for me. Now, I'm 83, and it's hard to find anything new for me these days. I've done it all in the horse industry. But this is new, and it it isn't like teaching when I was a youngster. And Diana has achieved information and knowledge about horsemanship as an instructor and runs her own operation in Southern California. And then Beth got a willing partner horse from us. And there were two willing partners horses, one of them with Diana and the other with Beth. And what is my obligation then? I felt my obligation was to watch them work, figure out what they had in the way of information that agreed with how I feel and things that I might help with in little gaps that they might have. That seemed to me to be the most valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty enlightening that Diana has come across through her career a lot of good information. They're the first two people I've dealt with in I don't know how long who know how to do up a latigo on a western saddle. They, they did a proper job of putting it back through the ring. Most people go upside down and they can't pull the thing loose. And then, you know, you can, you can say little things like that are not all that important. Or you can look at the accidents that occur because little things happen when it doesn't work as smoothly as possible. Another thing that we saw today, I mean, they did that fine. And I walked right away from that one, sort of, disturbed that they were too clever for me and on that one. I couldn't help them much at all. Mm -hmm. Then we had some work with the um, horses going through obstacles. And I I think we made a lot of good points about how to set a horse up for success, Uh, how to point his rear in the right direction and point his front in the right direction and when to look him in the eye and when to back off, loosen up on him a bit Beth had a tendency to want to control her horse more than necessary. Let him go a little, and then...
1: What does that look like, a longer lead?
4: Longer lead lead was one thing. More relaxation, breathe down. It isn't going to be such a wreck as you think it might be. And and it, it moved along pretty darn well there. But the one thing that we bumped into that I believe needed a lot of adjustment was that both of these horses are bomb-proof. They're willing partners horses. They've been through everything. Really? You can you know, literally fly a jet plane right over their stable. And yet over the years now, they're getting along, 10 years old or so, they got rusty. Mm. And I crinkled a water bottle, and both of them sort of didn't run away or anything, but they got up on their toes and scooted sideways kind of thing. Mm. And when you're a non-pro, novice rider, kind, you don't want that sort of thing. You want to stay safe. You want to keep your own adrenaline down. Well, the adrenaline shot right up in Beth, for sure. And I felt like I went too hard with the bottle, and so we backed off. But then we set it up to take them in the round pen, be safe, good fencing, good footing. And we got a lot of bottles and we had bottles on the outside the pin. we had bottles on the inside the pin. and boy, oh boy, we saw some scooting around and and plastic bags on a stick. We saw some scooting around from those when that was all put to bed years ago. But you know, we get rusty, all of us get rusty. so i I, I think they both came to realize that we need more brush ups in these areas, and particularly one of them horse sensitive to sound a lot. And I talked about the fact that they have these uh, CDs now that you can put on a loop and put in their stable. And they've tried that somewhat. But here's the thing about that. Those things have to go right up in volume to the point where they're, you know, you, the neighbors are getting they're really upset. popular
1: at the barn. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You, neighbors are getting upset with you. They have their own property, too. But at night, you can leave it on, you know, and put the volume up and then take that thing to different places. Mm -hmm. Like somebody turns it on when you're riding by and that kind of thing. Because sound emulating from a place where they didn't expect it Mm -hmm. is far different from, okay, I've been through this in the stable over and over again for Mm 24-7, you know, you're boring me with it. But when you change things up, horses are all neophobic. And when it's new and coming from a different area, um, it, it's a different thing. And, you know, to, to, to go through all these things and check off those that they're doing fine with mm-hmm. and then build on those that they're not doing so fine with, the horses responded unbelievably well. And we moved from a 3 out of 10 for being bomb-proof to a 7 or 8 out of 10 for being bombproof in about a half an hour, 45 minutes mm-hmm. of work. Okay. So that's valuable.
1: What did, what scale did you put the women on? <laughs> well, did uh, they go, did they scale up a
4: little bit too? Uh, well, no. Uh, actually, I mean, Diana is an instructor. She she has her her level. I think she learned some things mm-hmm. today, but tiny little things mm-hmm. that are just helpful in some areas. Beth needs to work on the entire anatomy, Mm. the acceptance of the horse for what he does. One of the things that we worked on today was this business of somebody turned a dog loose. It's supposed to be on a leash. And here comes the dog over the hill. And my horse whirls around and runs off. And it angers a person. That dog is supposed to be on a leash. So you attack the owner of the dog who's probably not going to learn anything from you. But And then you keep the fear within you that the horse engendered and you go back and you're ready for the next dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So you're still in the same place. What I want Beth to do is to get ready for the dog before the dog is ever there and invite somebody with the dog. Mm -hmm. And she... Beth was saying that she's seen Pat, your mother, my wife, mm-hmm. um, riding her horse with her dog running all around and snapping at his tail and everything, and the horse never says a thing. She can't believe how that can happen. Every horse is frightened of pigs.
5: Right.
4: Pigs smell bad, look bad, and sound bad. <laughs> Every horse is frightened of pigs, unless they were born on a pig farm. Right. And if it's, if it's known to them, it's okay. So don't go, you know, beating up the dog owner. You probably can't train them anyway. Or the guy that drives by with a hot rod car with the loud muffler and stuff and goes too fast down the road. You can turn him in and take his license number and he ought to have some consequences for those things. But use those opportunities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to school your horse. Mm-hmm. Use those opportunities to take your own adrenaline down. And cope with mm-hmm. the situation because you're less likely to be injured when you're coping with mm-hmm. than you are when you're doubled up and fighting with a high adrenaline level and a and a pulse rate over the moon.
1: So is it more you're coping or the horse's coping or you're going to have to do it together?
4: You're going to have to do it together. And in the case of Beth, she needs to cope in a lot of ways away from the horse, thinking, you know, When the horse does this, I am going to do that. She needs to work on her anatomy, the core of her anatomy, when there's nothing wrong, nothing happening. What does that look like? Is that a breathing
1: exercise? Is that yoga? Is it
4: a a massage? The the fact is that she said she's worked on diaphragmatic breathing quite a lot. What what I'm seeing is that she has. I'll buy that. She doesn't want to tell me something that's untrue. But she vacates that so quickly when something happens with the horse, that's gone. And the diaphragm tightens whoosh, unbelievably, and the pulse rate shoots up incredibly for tiny little things. And that's not good. And I want her to enjoy her horse every minute of, of being with the horse. And if she's going to enjoy him every minute, then she, her core has to enjoy him. Okay. And not the grabbing and twisting your wrist up and tightening your fingers on the reins when the horse just kind of shuffled a couple of steps. No, drop your hands, let him do that, then take care of it. And he probably won't do anything wrong. He probably will shuffle a couple of steps, which you would want him to do if it's a minor kind of um, spooky thing, you know. But it was a fun day. And they're two very good people for me to learn how to deal with these things. I haven't taught people like that in 30 40 years. Mm-hmm. I really haven't lessons mm-hmm. lessons man I, I heard I, about I, some
1: writing lessons even
4: yeah yeah I haven't I haven't done any of that and um, and yet we really didn't do that today. They didn't need that. Riding is not the thing. It's coping with right, so. your own your energy. Own so that
1: was your goal today, was to really work on that. That's yeah. what you saw and, yeah. and, and, and assessed. And,
4: and, and Beth, for instance, knows leads. Mm-hmm. But when she drops her chin and doubles her whole self up and goes against the reins, she doesn't know one lead from another. No. Because it all gets blurry. Mm-hmm. And you can't do it. If you relax, keep, keep looking out between your horse's ears... Think about these shoulders. Teach yourself to think about that. And sometimes that's at night when you're going to bed. Really? You teach yourself. I'm going to do that. You're playing and then video in the your ne- mind? Yeah. Is that what you're doing? And then okay. you're going to try it the next day. Okay. And uh, you'll find that that's very effective. I, I do most of my learning in the middle of the night. You know, breaking sticks was mm-hmm. middle, of the 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 middle of the night thing. Mm-hmm. The clucking to a horse to make him go yeah. faster. Um, and, um, yeah, you... You need to live this mm-hmm. instead of learn this. Mm-hmm. You need to allow yourself to learn it, not try to teach yourself on the moment when you're on the horse, mm-hmm. but learn it over the 24/7. So when
1: that basis. happens, when that moment happens on top of the horse and you've been practicing, what triggers do you give yourself to bring that down when you're in the south You know
4: each of us is an individual and we will we will arrive at these answers based on our own physiology and our own psychology some people will learn how to breathe diaphragmatically and and it'll work fine other people will have to teach themselves it's not just breathing diaphragmatically but it's breathing through this problem mm-hmm. I have and I don't shut the door mm-hmm. as soon as I have the problem and just go rigid mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big learning curve. And each of us have different levels of, of how we learn these things. And if someone's trying to help you, they ought to be aware of the fact that this may not work for you. Mm-hmm. So let's try this for you mm-hmm. to get you where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And and your horse the same way. Yeah. Now these horses t- today, um, plastic bag on a stick scraping across the ground. Whoa, they were going off. I wouldn't want to sit on the horse doing what it did. And five minutes later, exactly. it was allowing the bags to come in because they thought, oh, yeah, I remember that now. you know. But so you should do it once a week. And you should set aside a little time to do it. And it's fun to get it right. Mm-hmm. And you have a better feeling when you go to bed at night about how you have this in control. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, what was your you. impression of the day?
3: I loved it. Um, you know, I just was so thrilled to have a day all to myself with Monty. And, um, you know, to kind of... Uh, I'll get all emotional now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, face my fears. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have them.
1: A lot of people <laughs> do.
3: Debbie's going to cry too. <laughs> no, it's but, no, it's, it's been... Um, I was telling Monty earlier that in my life, I, I, I cannot being, a, remember being afraid of anything. Right. I consider myself pre fearless. You are, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, there's nothing to it, but to do it. Yep. I go out there, I speak up, I stand up for who I am. Yep. I worked hard. I, I could, I'm self-reliant, you know, I mean, I feel I've accomplished a lot of things in life and I'd, When I wrote as a young person, I never had this feeling, and it was a very tough thing. I used to think people that were afraid were such sissies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's given me great empathy, you know, for people with maybe anxiety disorders, and I just thought to myself, what's their problem? Buck up, pull up your bootstraps, you know, what's wrong with you? What, you're afraid of that, you know? But um, when you are there in the moment, um, it's it's not an easy thing, mm-hmm. and you know I've been trying, you know, so hard to master this, and not realizing one of the biggest things I learned today is uh, I just have to loosen up everything. I've got to sit back, even though Diana's told me this. I I, I don't know. I I I thought I was doing it, but I wasn't. I, Moni said, you know, you have got to let up on your reins. No more, more. And so I tried really hard today to leave my reins down there and to not keep gathering them up. And then if I felt I was just to let them go back down and just to try to be okay, you know, with whatever happened, you know, and usually when something happens, you know, I, I feel like I've developed a lot of trust with Inferno and if one thing happens sometimes it's a relief almost and i don't feel my adrenaline going up i feel like i've gotten a lot better but in those instances when i feel like he's not listening to me and i feel like he's up and i feel like i'm out of control right okay it's very hard to let the reins down when i feel like i'm out of control mm-hmm. and and maybe that's letting go of control mm-hmm. you know I'm 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 used to being in control. I don't think that's a mine. bad thing. You're I don't think it's, it's a
1: bad thing to <laughs> say that. You know, I think people do use that as a negative sometimes. But there's a lot of affirmatives to control as well. But the question really becomes: Are you really in control? You're not, right?
3: You're not. And and so you might as well let your horse have his head. You know, and and I actually feel like I when these things happen. I feel like my reactions are good. I have to trust myself that I, I feel like my seat is good. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty balanced. I feel like I do a pretty good job, even with a little buck or a kick up or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't feel like I'm not in the dirt all the time, you know. But it is hard to let go of that fear. It really is. And I learned today, you know, I'm going to have to face it instead of running away from it. Now, I don't know how I'm going to do dogs running at me. I haven't quite figured (laughs) this one out yet. But I do like the idea that you continue to desensitize your horse you know on a weekly basis with with noise with bags with you know paper coming at them with and i kind of did that a little bit in my own little way cuz i thought you know, I'd bring shavings into the stall and Inferno would be a little bit afraid of it. And so after I dumped the shavings out, I'd take the bag up and I would kind of stroke him with the bag and I'd go over his body with it and I And so I did a little bit of that, but nothing to the extent of okay, a big bag and I didn't do it that much. And he didn't like that, but I thought, "Oh, I'm really desensitizing him." But it's not enough.
1: It's not enough. Do you find yourself starting to contract in what you do when you have the fear as opposed to, you know, like, well, maybe that, we won't go that trail because the last five times we've gone on that trail, that was a little spooky for oh, him. Oh, I avoid. Absolutely. Are you kidding? I mean, I've got it all planned out.
3: The red tractor's there. I'm going here. They're doing work in the back. I'm going there. I, I mean, I just avoid things. Because, okay. yeah. So do you think uh, do
1: today, you yeah.
4: yeah. What I want is for her her to invite these things yes. and then go there and deal with it. And I think that what we saw today is just affirmation that Diana's been on the right track here yes. to, to help. But it took another voice. Mm-hmm. It took another person to build on these sure. things mm-hmm. to get more relaxation. And the dogs, the dogs... Get somebody with a dog to come around and run up and down the fence well, next dogs. to you. <laughs> well, Yeah, you, yeah but have you he knows surgery? your dogs. Uh, you no, know,
3: my dogs chase my dogs. No, Wyatt goes crazy. Yeah, but I, I think that
1: safe, um, safe dogs. Yeah, safe right, dogs, yeah. right. Not ones that'll bite but, a horse. Well,
3: what I did learn too is that I, I liked being on the ground first and practicing that way. Uh, I myself feel like I can remain more calm at times on the ground.
4: Uh, Maybe maybe it's inviting Diana to get on your horse and you're on the ground and start the dogs that way. Speaking of dogs. And then you get on when you see that this is the way to do it.
3: And when I saw, you know I mean I feel like I did face a lot of fears today. I mean I always, when I come here, the wind whips up in the afternoon.
4: Yeah.
3: And I'm like, that's why I wanted to end the day early, because I thought, I don't need to be riding in this wind. <laughs> I'm going to avoid that. But we went up the hill, and there was a lot of wind. And and I just thought, okay, get my hands down. I mean, I was working on stuff everywhere that we went. Mm-hmm. You know, there were tractors on the, the track. They, the we got tree. the traffic. We had, you know... And I got a little skitter forward when a horse charged us. And, I mean, I just was working on that, working on that, you know? And I just kept thinking to myself, well, Monty's riding Chrome. I can ride Inferno. Yeah,
1: Chrome is very spooky. <laughs> he can be spooky. So, Diana, your last words for today.
0: Um, I do have some conclusions and some epiphanies
1: of my own from the day that we shared with Monty and Beth is that As trainers, we also need to not get complacent and we need to spend the time working with the horses and and desensitizing them to plastic bottles, to plastic bags, and not just get into a routine of they have to be ridden in the arena, they have to go out on trail. We have to remember the basics and continue to have them face things, trash trucks, dump trucks, and ride into it thinking it's a training moment and not try to avoid those situations yeah. good good well you've got a willing partner in beth and i think and this day is you know one of those that you can take notes from and and remember and now we'll have this episode you can go back and listen to yourself and get those memories back but i sounds like triggers are one of those things that um, you need to work on the most and don't we all
3: uh triggers for getting tense
1: and, or triggers to bring yourself down from that tension.
3: Yes, yeah. And, well, it, typically what I do is when I get to some point where I think that my adrenaline is high and I'm not doing my horse any good, I get off. And today we rode through a lot of stuff. Good. And, and that, that was really good. And Diana's always telling me that too, you know. So I, I guess I've, and I, I try. I mean, I, it's one of my things I work on. Stay on your horse, you know, you can, you can sit through this, but it was just a good reminder and, um, you know, and to do these things in a smaller area, rather than always having these teaching moments out on the trail where things are open, we need to create those mm-hmm. in, in a smaller, safer environment and then it will be easier when we're out on the trail. Yeah, I, I
1: totally yeah, agree. That, I th- that
3: uh, is something that I thought really- And
1: one thing that I was uh, watching you guys do today too is you had long lines, yes. not a you know not a six foot or eight foot lead line. You yeah. had 30 feet lines, which is smart because the horses are not gonna go further away than that. You're in good footing, you're in a solid round pin with no yeah. places to really um, crash into or yeah. corner. So all those things, those ingredients are really Even good. Even the way that I was walking my horse using the
3: Dooley halter, I had my hand too close to my horse. It was all about control. Right. And I'm tense doing that. And I needed to get my hand down
1: further on the line and let Inferno be a horse. Let him make a mistake first and yes. then correct, yeah. And it does bring all the adrenaline down. I love that. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for doing a debrief with me today.
5: Hi, Carol Herder here, president of Cavallo, home of the world's most trusted and popular hoof boots. You know, one of the most interesting parts of what I do is the many horsey stories I get to hear. Most of them are really uplifting. Some are stories of challenges, and a few are downright sad. Recently, a wonderful woman took the time to approach us at a show to share a story about her horse who went down in quicksand. It started out as a really scary story. We were holding our breaths, waiting for the outcome, and it turned out wonderful. They winched the horse out, relatively unscathed, albeit, you know, a little traumatized, and everyone standing around were super amazed that he still had his Cavallo hoof boots on. Scary story with a good ending. Another testament to Cavallo. If you don't have a pair for your horse, it's time. Cavallos are easy to put on, easy to take off when you want to take them off, and they stay on. They stay on in all terrain. Cavallo, the world's most trusted hoof boots.
1: Jill Montgomery settled in Colorado in 1994, where she had been engaged in teaching horsemanship and training kids, horses, and mules for over 32 years. She's been involved with equestrian activities since... Being a child and is working as student, a stable hand, a manager, an instructor in facilities as varied as boarding barns, breeding farms, horse camps, dude ranches, and racetracks. She's done it all. Jill and a group of like-minded horsemen founded the Pueblo West Horsemen's Association. and By the end of 1996, Jill had served on the Colorado Horse Council's board of directors and then served as the executive director for the American Youth Horse Council and manager of Turkey Creek Ranch, the U.S. Army's Dude Ranch. She is a founding member of the Colorado Unwanted Horse Alliance as well as the former executive director of the American Youth horse council. Jill serves as the CHA, Certified Horsemanship Association Region 9 Director Trainer and is certified as an English and Western riding instructor, which is pretty unique. And as also an equine facility manager clinician. In 2017, Jill received the American Horse Council's Van Ness Award to an individual who has shown leadership and service to the horse community. Her equine business consultancy company, J-R-A-M Enterprises, sports the tagline, Working to Keep Equine Activities Accessible and Enjoyable for Everyone. Well, welcome, Jill Montgomery of CHA and many other endeavors that you've got, many boards that you're on. I'm so excited and honored to have you on our show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your show, looking forward to being able to talk about a program that we're going to work on together.
1: That's right. I know the surprise is that Jill and I are going to meet face to face eventually, and you all could be a part of that too. We're going to. Uh, we're actually going to be. I'm going to be kind of the host position, and Jill is going to be the the certification position in next February of 2019. February 15, 16, and 17 of 2019, we're going to have Jill come to us Up Farms and and put on, and hopefully everybody gets certified, an equine facility management certification course or clinic. So I I wanted to have you on, Jill, to talk a little bit about that. But maybe we should start a little bit with the Certified Horsemanship Association because that is a part of, so a little background maybe on CHA, the Certified Horsemanship Association, might be appropriate.
6: Certainly.
0: Yes. Well, Certified Horsemanship Association is celebrating its 50th anniversary and well, actually it's working on 51. Now that we're in 2018, we had a real big do in Kentucky last year for our international conference. And um, so with 2018, I guess they're celebrating 51 years. It started as kind of a a recognition and need to have uh, camp horse programs organized in a way that uh, there was a consistent message about safety and uh, what's effective in teaching groups of kids about horsemanship uh, or into put into written materials and uh, shared among different camps that sponsored horse activities. So uh, that's where its roots are. And since that time, it's really evolved into a wonderful, very interactive and international Mm -hmm. organization that's certified over 4,000 horseback riding instructors, and they've gone on uh, beyond uh, just the riding instructor piece to have different types of certifications, which include the project that we're kind of focusing on today, the equine facility management certification. There's also a certification for driving instructors, vaulting instructors, working with um, students who have special needs and um, trail guide. Uh, so that camp, those camp routes still are strong in mm-hmm. the program, but uh, that's kind of the 30 second version mm-hmm. of I can
1: that's pretty good that's pretty good you covered a lot of territory a lot of horses too there too and a lot of people who have enjoyed their horses for oh my gosh 51 years that's pretty amazing now i know that you weren't there 51 years ago uh writing the manual but i know that you you were the author um on some version of the manual. I I saw that you're um, one of the credited authors on the equine professional, the art of teaching writing cha. So we, we've gone to the top here to get you on.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm definitely a contributor on that. CHA uses a process that I think is really commendable when they put together their manuals for, both the instructors and trail guides in different parts of the industry, the disciplines that they certify, they draw upon uh, professionals from across the country and actually Canada and uh, other countries as well, if there um, are members in those areas, and try and reach consensus as to what are the best methods to put forward for, uh, Training people that in, in, in ways that will be safe, effective, mm-hmm. and fun. So.
1: That is a big, that's a big ask uh, because not all horse people mm, agree on everything. So you really are trying to find the center of the target and that must be some work.
0: Well, I, I, uh, that's a great way to describe it. Uh, the center of the target. If a person's techniques meet those three criteria, safe, effective, and fun. Mm-hmm. You're included in the group. <laughs> so, That's nice. Um, That's good. It, and we try and keep things broad enough in our descriptions because they are frequently used, um, that both the, uh, the the manual for riding instructors and trail guides, but also for facility management in disputes and, and liability mm-hmm. cases. And we don't want to do things that would hurt the horse industry and, and members who are performing responsibly. So we try and keep we, we, we try and keep it broad. We try not to say this is the only way to do it. Uh, we say these have been proven with time to be safe, effective, fun. Um, These are common industry practices. Mm -hmm. These are best management practices. But we try not to say you can't do it another way.
1: Right. Good. Yeah, that's good. Because somebody will find a better way. That's how we evolve, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very intelligent that way too. And you're really good for the industry. You're really good to keep what we love to do, which is advocate keeping horses in people's lives. So um, I appreciate Chaw for that. And I appreciate all you professionals who put your time in. So us non-professionals can go out there and seek out those that help us be safe and effective and have some fun. So I'm really glad. Glad that you're out there for that. Now, so the equine facility management certification, I was trolling around thinking, you know, here we are in central California with the beautiful facility and we don't, you know, we don't take borders in per se, we have some out in the field, but we really are not an equestrian center per se. But something like this, I thought this could help advocate for horses too, becoming a, a, an area or a a facility that could be useful to some, a professional like CHA. So how did you, I guess who recognized the need to create an EFM certification, an equine facility management certification? How did that come about?
0: Well, uh, I would say that it did kind of bubble up uh, through the riding instructors looking for qualified help at barns and stables. Uh, The industry, our certified Horsemanship Association CEO, Christy Landwehr, is really a fabulous networker throughout the horse industry, Mm -hmm. and some of the feedback that she brought to the organization and to our board of directors is from different associations and discipline groups across the country, and uh, they were looking for programming as we are a certification organization that would help staff barns stables, racetracks, et cetera, uh, because it really was a an industry request to have some kind of credential that would have credibility for hiring mm-hmm. for insurance companies to be able to say, hey, these people actually have a verified set of skills and knowledge that will work for keeping our risks down, mm-hmm. delivering mm-hmm service to the customer, the client that, um, is consistent with not only industry standards, but best management practices within the industry.
1: Cool idea that, I mean, that is, that is amazing. So, so people who hire somebody who's got the certification, they actually qualify for things that they, as opposed to just hiring somebody who just had you know, a resume, right? So you've got insurance discounts and what other, what are the, I mean, obviously you've got a certified person. Yeah.
0: Yes. Many insurance companies would extend a, a discount to their clients for general liability insurance or specific liability insurance for their equine activities. If, you can demonstrate that your staff is well-trained and qualified Mm. and they do recognize the Certified Horsemanship Association's certification. So that that is a plus. I think if you're dealing with a nonprofit in particular, it gives your board of directors a sense of um, security that there's qualified staff on hand. It's a marketing uh, advantage for bringing new clients into your Mm -hmm. activity. It's, um, it's also the Certified Horsemanship Association will assist you with marketing. Um, their website lists the people who are certified and what their certifications are, and you can go to their website and search for qualified people within your immediate area. It goes, I think, from out to like 100 miles from your location, and it'll tell you everybody who's certified in your area so you can mm-hmm. contact them.
1: That's a great handy. thing, too. Yeah, that's really handy. Yeah, there's so many people. So is it the kind of thing, too, that if you had an equestrian facility and you already had a manager that you think was kick butt and you think, well, gosh, I should get them certified and we have some of these advantages maybe to our board or maybe to uh, to the, the local the community as well. We look better. Is it the kind of thing you could send one of your facility managers to and they got this certification? Absolutely. I hadn't named that before. The, yeah. the,
0: the certification, and this is kind of an important thing to recognize, is measuring the knowledge and skills that the person brings to the certification clinic. Okay. It's impossible to go through one of these clinics without learning something. But what we're measuring, what we're evaluating, is the skills and knowledge that you currently have, not newly acquired knowledge. So it would be perfectly appropriate, say a barn owner has a manager that they think is a great employee uh, and they'd like to help them get this credential, which in turn would help that owner um, with the marketing of their program and very possibly with an insurance discount on their policies to send that barn manager to get this certification.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I have a whole new perspective on this. And um, since we're going to be hosting one, we'll go ahead and talk about that a little bit now, too. I'm going to think around here who I should have go through that program for our, our facility here, too. So on February 15, 16, and 17, which happens to be the weekend, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but the weekend before President's Day, which is on the Monday of February 2019, mark your calendars. Because if you want to come to Solvang, California during those cold winter months north and see a little sunshine and wine, (laughs) um, we're going to do this, aren't we? And we're going to have, um, so Jill's going to come out. She is going to be my key person on this. And then we have Christy Landwehr, who has agreed to be second clinician on this. And we're going to have a it's a 24-hour certification, but not 24 hours in a row, right, Jill?
0: It's it's, it's actually 20 uh, oh, okay. Oh, okay, classroom good. and demonstration hours. So it's 20 documented hours, and it will include uh, some lecture. There's, I think, uh, four required uh, topics that we cover as a group. And again, the participants will be sharing their knowledge as well as uh, the presenter's going through some of the specifics that are considered best management practices currently in the industry. Um, then there are written tests that are evaluated, and they're sequential. So there's four levels you can be certified at. Stable worker, which is qualified to work in a barn under the supervision of a manager. There's a the minimum age for that of 16 years of age. Then a stable manager... Qualified to manage a small, private, stable of uh, up to 10 head of horses and manage a couple of employees. There's a minimum age of that of 18. Herd manager, that's qualified to manage a public equine facility with up to 35 head of horses, 3 or 4 employees. There's a minimum age of 21 attached to that. And then level 4 is equine facility manager, which would be a general manager of a commercial equine operation with greater than 35 head of horses five or more employees again there is a minimum age of 21 that credential so when you're testing in order to advance you have to pass each level and in addition to the written tests there are demonstrations or practicum tests that each participant will be assigned a task and they'll demonstrate how to do it and it's 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 an excellent process for evaluation and probably even better process for learning and being able to take home skills mm-hmm. from this experience. So if the stable manager who comes in thinking, um, well, I'm hoping just to get a certification, mm-hmm. uh, comes in and participates and they get that level two stable manager certification, they are going to have a heads up on being able to advance both their career and if they were to take another clinic, their level of certification to the higher three or four herd manager or equine facility manager because they will have seen the process and learned more about what's really required. So it's kind of on the job training as well.
5: Yeah, yeah.
0: um, it's, Yeah. it's It's a... People leave usually really excited and high about how uh, much they've benefited from Mm -hmm. both testing their own skills, comparing it against industry norms, best management practices, and uh, learning through the process.
1: Yeah, I love the cross-pollination, right? Yeah, everybody's contributing. Yeah, I love that.
0: When we when we do the demos, everyone gets to comment, and um, it has to. We call them the sandwich cookie comments. Uh, if there's going to be constructive criticism, there needs to be a compliment as well as the constructive mm-hmm. criticism followed with another compliment, and then uh, so it's not. I mean, whenever you kind of put yourself out there, there's some intimidation. Involved, but it's it's it's, it's friendly.
1: It's yeah. you've done this a long time. <laughs> you yes, figured this out. It's I'm learning sure. oriented. Yeah, yeah. So how how long has this equine facility management certification been around?
0: I think we've got more than fifteen years of it under our Good. belts now.
1: Okay, I'm so sure not, you know it's how to have.
0: not brand new.
1: Yeah, you have. It's you not have, as
0: old as I the well instructor have. piece, but.
1: Of course not. Yeah, yeah. So this can be fun. So when you first get here, what are we going to do first? Is there a little bit of an orientation first for people, or do you just jump right into the four levels? Somebody can come out of that weekend with the four levels completed, or no?
0: Uh, Yes, definitely. You can come out with uh, level four. Um, But what we start with, of course, is the orientation, which is describing. This is what we're going to do in the clinic. These are what the levels include. It, it will move pretty quickly. Uh, we'll probably do a lecture in that first four-hour period. Typically, the first day, we do a full day, eight hours, second day, eight hours, and the third day, four hours, because people are jumping at the and ready to <laughs> get back to, to the that barn way. and their horses. Yeah. Yes. So... In, in the first day, we're going to cover a lot of material, and we're going to explain mock uh, demonstration type of, of format and get people familiar and comfortable with that. Like I said, at least one of the lectures will happen on the first day, possibly two, and then we'll start working level one written tests, level two written tests, and the demonstrations that go along with that. Now, we won't be able to get everyone through all of their demos on day one. That'll bleed over into day two. And um, day two we will have uh, another test and then we have uh, what we call mid-clinic reviews. We sit down with everybody and get a little chance to talk about how do you feel about your progress in the certification clinic, where you see yourself at in terms of your certification level, and uh, that's a really critical time for the clinicians and the participants to uh, exchange kind of expectations, mm-hmm. and then you have the rest of the clinic, another 10 hours, uh, where you kind of meet expectations, and that's, I think, a, a very nice, fair way to proceed.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That sounds really fun. I'm getting excited for this. It'll be really fun to have you out here. And Christy Landwehr, I've always wanted to have her out here too. I'm I'm sure we're bound to have some people pulled from probably up and down California, but you're in Colorado, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Wow. Christy is actually based here, but she's all over the world. I
1: know. And I think she was originally from Southern California. So um, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get her to, you know, see her family while she's down here too. make sure she she shows up for that second clinician spot. No, I'm sure she'll be. if she says it, she will be here. She's a lot of fun. We've, yeah, we've met is, up.
0: Okay. Yeah, you are correct. She is from Southern California and she will be able to see her family. That's uh, yeah. a real perk about doing this particular clinic for her with you guys.
1: Oh, that's fun. Well, really fun. I'm I am excited so, about it. so excited. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I want people to get to know you a little bit more too. I know that you just in 2017, you, you've you been in the industry forever, but in 2017, you received the American Horse Council's Vanessa Award. Award. Um, that goes to an individual who's shown leadership and service to the horse community. Tell me a little bit about that. We want to brag on you a little bit. <laughs>
0: I have a very long history with uh, the Colorado Horse Council. I served as their legislative and regulatory committee chairperson for 17 years, and we were able to accomplish some pretty good things uh, during that period of time, um, and so I think the American Horse Council Award had a lot to do with uh, the accomplishments of my tenor, tenure as um, that chair. In, I've also contributed uh, through a a number of different boards, Um, the Animal Welfare Council. I've sat on the Certified Horsemanship Association board. I was the Executive Director for the American Youth Horse Council for two different stints and uh, just really uh, had my fingers in membership groups for the horse industry since about the late 1990s. So uh, I know a lot of people across the country in the horse business. Uh, The American Youth Horse Council is an umbrella group for equine uh, industry groups that have youth programs. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. I was affiliated with all of the youth program directors from pretty much every breed, discipline, 4-H, Pony Club, FFA. The list goes on. We had about a representation of uh, leaders of over 400,000 kids in the industry. So fingers in a lot of pies. And we produced a lot of educational materials for the horse industry. And that kind of launched me into doing um, both a lot of risk management stuff to keep it safe, fun, and effective for people to participate. I currently own my own company. And I work with different groups in the horse industry. And my goal is to work on projects that are going to keep equine activities accessible and enjoyable for everybody who wants to participate. That's so, wonderful. So making it really easy to have that first touch. Or if you're more of a professional, to stay in business. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of both ends of that spectrum is what my big goal is.
1: You are making it, Jill. I really appreciate that. And I'm just, now I'm even more honored that you're coming. I, um, that is just, a, that is a really solid resume. I really appreciate that. And, and I just, I can't even imagine that you learn anything new at any of those, uh, certification courses you go on, but do you occasionally pick up a tip from, from the people that get there too?
0: Oh, every, I learned something from every single participant with no exceptions. You know, this is uh, a business where uh, people are all different. They have different approaches. The horses all have their own unique characteristics. I feel like if I don't learn something about horsemanship and horses every day, I'm not paying attention.
1: Good for you. Yeah. Oh, you're a wonderful teacher and a wonderful student. I love that. Full circle in you, Jill. I appreciate you coming on today, too. And we're going to be talking more about this in the next coming, well, we're about what, six months out or so. And uh, yeah, I just. a little bit of time to. Yeah. So if you're in questions. California. Yeah. If you're in California before then, too, and have any opportunity to stop through, please do. And um, we'll get to to know you ahead of it. But if not, yeah, if people have questions, where can they contact? Would you rather they contact you or contact through me for anything about this uh particular certification?
0: Well, um, my email is probably going to be the best way to reach me. And uh, that is jill at dramenterprises.com. Let me spell that because everybody thinks it starts with a D. It starts with a J, R, A, M, without anything in between there, the word enterprises Mm-hmm. Dot com. so Jill at dramenterprises
1: Okay. We'll put that in the show notes too, so that people can catch that link right on there and make sure that they can get a hold of you too. Yeah. I appreciate that. And of course you can send your, any questions through on that, on those show notes too, comments will come to me about this. And, um, I would love to hear from people as to their interest in this. And I would love for you Jill to be back on again sometime too, and maybe give us some of those tips that, that if, um, people are interested in your background, everything, they can ask questions of you and we can answer some of those. Would that be okay?
0: Sure, I'd love to. This has really been a treat to be able to talk to you. I'm excited about coming out in February and uh, this clinic is real near and dear to my heart. I um, have managed a lot of different types of facilities over the years and uh, with my experience with AYC, I've been able to visit hundreds of facilities. So to have this, Certification to help these uh, businesses find good help.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's really important.
1: I do too. I do too. Good horsemanship and good help. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on Horsemanship Radio.
5: My pleasure. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to
2: say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox. And share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
5: Leave this world a better place
6: The magic in the language of the food. When I attend a competition, my jumper is okay so long as she is with other horses. However, when she comes to the point when we have to perform, she will be fearful immediately and does not trust herself to jump. A horse dressed by a competition exaggerated by my tension sounds logical to me, but I've never experienced such a reaction from other horses. I cannot punish her for this behavior because it would make her more fearful. Would it be possible that her being separated from the other horses causes this behavior? At home, she does not like to be alone, but normally gets used to it and becomes quieter. Monty's answer. It may be that separation anxiety is exacerbating the problem. If it is performance anxiety, it seems to me that you have a very clever horse. In fact, it almost seems to me that she can read the newspaper or the horse magazine that lists the upcoming horse events. Obviously, you know this is not true. So let's investigate how this phenomenon occurs. Stage fright is reserved for human beings with performance anxiety. It is not within the makeup of a horse to view any special occasion as any more important than uh, any other and perform badly. The neocortex, the part of the brain that controls logical emotions such as planning, thinking, and imagining, makes up only half the proportion of the horse's brain than it does in the human brain. Horses simply do not have the mental capacity to be capable of experiencing these feelings of performance anxiety. As we negotiate the calendar of events we plan for our horses and ourselves, we should be well aware of our own mental state working up to and experiencing performances away from home. Whether it is a trail ride or a high-level horse show, these are circumstances where we tend to get our own adrenaline up and our pulse rate becomes higher than normal. The one thing that horses can do far better than any human being is to read the physiological and psychological state of the individuals around them. Mother Nature has provided them with incredible skills to identify potentially dangerous predators in their environment. Given these conditions, it becomes incumbent upon every horseman to learn to control their own responses to the stress inherent in big shows, little shows, trail rides, or even a visit from someone they admire. Our horses will respond to our body conditions far more quicker than we ever dreamed possible. Whether it is for your horse or yourself, it is good to take trips to public events, primarily to expose you both to a strange environment at a time when you are not competing. This will enable you to experience the environment, both physical and psychological, with low adrenaline. It will help you learn to control yourself as well as give the horse a chance to explore new territories without being asked to perform at a high level. It is interesting that you say you have had other horses that acted acceptably under these conditions while this horse does not. One should be ever mindful of the fact that horses are uniquely individual. We tend to think that people are unique while horses are not. It occurs to me that this horse is far more sensitive to your physiological condition than other horses were. Continue to test these ideas and observe the results. Thank you. For more of these insights into
1: good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips.
4: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at montyroberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Yeah.
2: Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, August sixth through 10. Coming right up is the Monty Special Training at Flag is Up Farms in California. And then right on top of that, we will have a Portuguese translation, a bunch of people coming from Brazil, August 20 through 24. That's the Monty Special Training at that same spot. And then September 19 and 20, we're really excited to have you come visit us while Monty is at the World Equestrian Games Woo-hoo! in Tryon, North Carolina. We're going to see you in. Cool. And uh, he will have his own hour on September 19 and uh, September 20, and we've got some really fun things in in store for you. We've got uh, a veteran who's going to do a join up with a Mustang, and it's Elisa Wallace's Mustang. We pull <gasps> oh, this off, and yeah, and then another day will be a remedial horse. We're look li- we're probably going to be having a spooky horse demonstration and a difficult to mount horse as well so those are just really they're hard to find well that's (laughs) true we won't have any trouble finding a horse that's true but um we're we're hoping we can find one that we don't have a bio problem you know Mm -hmm. there's all the the uh, special circumstances with a wag and so we're really excited about that. that's true yeah 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then a long term plan February 15, 16, and 17. Back at Flag is up. We're going to have an equine facility management clinic. That's not with Monty. That is going to be with the one and only from this interview, Jill Montgomery from CHA. So we wanted to put a shout out for that so people can get in early for that. Why not be certified as an equine facility management? person because you get lots, all kinds of advantages. You heard in her interview is uh, insurance and uh, networking and all those things too. So we thought, well, that'll be fun to have. So that's our long-term calendar.
2: Cool. Lots, lots of stuff going on over there at Flag is Up Farms. Lots of stateside stuff on this month, mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, Try that's it. really cool. And you can find out all of that and much more at MontyRoberts.com. Or you can give them a call over there at Flag is Up Farm. And for details about today's show, episode 117, you can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you'll find links to today's guests and topics, photos, and more information. And we love your feedback. That's our favorite thing. Go to Facebook, type in Monty Roberts, Find the one that has the little blue circle with a mark inside. That's the official one. And like it. Follow it. Keep up with what Monty's up to. And that gives you the opportunity to let us know what you want to hear about on the show, cool things you learned from the university, all that kind of thing. You can also follow Monty on on Twitter. That's right. Monty tweets. His Mm. handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And finally, get the app. Make, Make your life easy. Uh, Download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network and download it. It's free. You can choose to either subscribe to specific shows, Horsemanship Radio, or you can just hit the all button, keep it simple, and then you'll have tons of stuff to listen to. You can also listen uh, on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Mm-hmm. And many thanks to our sponsors who make this show
1: happen. That is Omega Fields, and that's Cavallo Horse and Rider, and Monty com. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too. Just like Jen said, you could listen for hours on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.